ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to what we like to call the Brethren Podcast. That's Brethren, B-R-E-A-D, like bread, because we always talking about bread, and we always getting bread. And when I say we, I always must introduce my illustrious co-host, Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. of Loving Consultant, LLC, and Destrian Wells of Destrian Wells Consultant, LLC. How are you gentlemen doing this fine evening? Man, I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. Feeling, feeling wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah, I concur. Concurrence has been given. Salutations have been given. Um, we're gonna hop into this conversation about generational wealth, but we got to do like we always do and introduce the libations for the evening. So, Doctor Loving, what are you on this evening? Oh well, well, this evening I have decided on a red wine, a fourteen hands <laughs> Cabernet. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> Look, man, it, what? Every once in a while, it's the middle of the week, man. All right, still, I've got. <laughs> so today there will be no cognac. Plus, that high ankle sprain may, is making me not want to go upstairs, and the wine is downstairs. So I heard that. There, there you class, are. class, class spills out all over this podcast, people. <laughs> <laughs> the classiness just, just, just oozing out. Oh, um, God. I mean, redundancy is a thing when it comes to this portion. But DJ, what is yeah. what, what are you on? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this, right? Right. We go. Yeah. We really, gonna keep, we yeah, gonna keep we're Okay. I just want to make sure we do this. I really prefer to call it consistency if you really want to. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's true. Yeah, for to make it, it well, to, to, for a better words, consistency. There we go. It is, yeah, right. man. So it's a it's a right, commitment, man. He's got a strong commitment. Oh, oh. It's not just strong. It's not just for the show. Man. No, that ain't even commitment. That's loyalty right there. That's yeah, true. man. He could, man. Like that's it's, it's a special thing that they have. Well, I um, <laughs> I'm on uh, I'm on daddy duty, so uh, this is the first one, probably be the only one of the evening. But yes, it is. Uh, it is actually White Hennessy this evening, though. So, oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we finally got it. We finally got it. We we got a slight switch up to the lineup. The pinch hitter is in the game, ladies and gentlemen. Clap your hands for White Hennessy making an appearance this evening. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Arthur, do do tell Arthur. Um, oh yeah. Um. For me personally, you know, this evening because as we all know, you know, the the bottle ran out last last episode. We should, we we had a, a great conversation, uh, which we'll get into. But um, I have now replaced it with what is apparently the world's number one bourbon whiskey. Mr. Jim Beam is joining me this evening, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Welcome, right. let's welcome Jim to the welcome podcast. Jim. So uh, as we always do, cheers to a wonderful conversation, knowledge being dropped, and bread being made. Well, uh, all right, so last episode we talked about breaking generational curses and helping people get out of that development trap, controlling the controllables, observe the variables, being moderate and responsible. And understanding that time is a finite resource and a lot of other good points. And definitely what we want to encourage people to do is because this is, in in, in a sense, a part two and a follow-up to that conversation and a continuation. Um, so definitely go listen to the last episode. But tonight we're going to talk about generational wealth. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to define it, talk about what it is, 
and talk about some practical steps on, you know, its importance and practically how to create generational wealth for yourself. Uh, because we did talk about breaking generational curses. You know, it can start and end with you. And generational wealth is one of those things that is a key to breaking a generational curse. Um, but we'll start by giving, you know, a small definition that I found. The generational wealth is a financial legacy that most people want to leave for their families. Um, so even though personal finances is, is, is considered a personal thing, there are many areas in which money management is a family affair. An inheritance is passing wealth from one generation on to another, which is the obvious example. However, your family's financial legacy extends even beyond the passing of wealth or debt. When you realize, whether you realize it or not, your family's financial legacy also has influenced your financial literacy or education, your financial goals, and your financial values. So those are the three points that I want to start with and, you know, and, and to kick the conversation off with both of you. And, DJ, I'll give it to you first, and then we'll throw it to Dr. Loving. Uh, let's just talk about the importance of financial literacy as being, you know, kind of the foundation and the paramount to creating generational wealth and breaking a generational curse when it comes to financial uh, fin uh, financial legacies. Uh, the financial literacy portion, because let's be honest, uh, in our community, the African-American community, financial literacy and education is, you know, one of the, you know, most undervalued, you know, portions. And a lot of us, frankly, don't get it or don't get it to the extent that we know. You know, a lot of people know, you know, get your bank account, open up a savings account, throw some money into it, and that's about the extent that most people's financial literacy goes to. But then we also, you know, we're in the day and age of social media where life happens to people and, you know, people are relying on GoFundMe. Uh, but, you know, we'll, 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 we'll let this conversation flesh itself out, but I'll throw it to you first on just the importance of financial literacy uh, in, the, in the creating generational wealth conversation. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't think that financial literacy can be uh, overstated enough because, you know, for for all intents and purposes, at least for me, that was not a conversation that was top of mind in my family growing up. It's not that we didn't talk about finances, but we didn't talk about finances in the in the way or the the manner in which it was practical application. Um, one of the one of the key things that I've seen in terms of the African American community and minority communities in general that we don't take advantage of that I've seen other communities take advantage of is quite simply insurance. So if you just if you just take a big step back and you think about what you've heard if you come from a family that may have struggled or you had humble beginnings or what have you um, the phrase, um, what do you say? Well, I got enough to put me in the ground is what I've heard a lot in my life growing up, and that's not a way. And, and that's not a way, or that's not a, a means by which you're going to be able to generate any additional wealth for your family. In most cases, you're transitioning debt if something were to happen to you. So in terms of breaking generational cycles or curses and moving yourself into a place of generating wealth, one of the things that we have to get educated about is talking about two things, right? So financial literacy being one, but a big part of financial literacy is understanding transitioning wealth versus transitioning debt. Because death is a way that we all must travel. 
one of the things that, that hinders us is that we don't have those conversations and we don't address that head on. For all intents and purposes, you know, most of us are probably underinsured if you really look at your assets and your liabilities and you need to come to some type of risk assessment in terms of what you would need to take care of your outstanding debt obligations if something were to happen to you tomorrow. Those conversations were not had in my house. They're very honest conversations about, you know, what we could afford and what we couldn't. But financial literacy is about more than that. It's about planning. And that planning piece is something that I think we miss the boat on a lot. And again, having that conversation about what happens when you lose a loved one and are they properly insured? Because I think I brought this up on the first uh, on the first part of this conversation. I'm a firm believer that in terms of um, economic resources, only one generation of your family absolutely has to be poor. It is up to you to properly insure yourself, but then you also have to train and educate and make sure that your family is financially literate and they're prepared to take on what it is you potentially will leave behind. So as we continue to flesh out this conversation, I think that one of the key elements is going to be Number one, financial literacy comes in the form of understanding how you not only inherit and invest, but also how do you protect wealth, you know, once you get it. Well, how do you protect your personal uh, wealth as well? That, that comes in the form of credit. You know, we, we need to do better jobs of protecting our credit and leveraging and utilizing that. Uh, in the Deep South, cash was king for a very long time, and a lot of people still own that mentality, but credit is the way of the world now. Credit is your uh, is basically your your reputation relative to how you pay uh, pay for resources and how you pay people back. So that collateral is extremely beneficial, and a lot of us don't leverage it enough. I know people that still don't even have a credit card. You can't rent a car. You can't you know, book a hotel room, you can't travel, you're not going to be able to do any of those things or it's going to cost you a lot more if you don't have credit or you're not protecting your credit. So you have to do that and you have to have conversations, open, honest, candid conversations about your assets, your liabilities. And you need to understand that we all must travel death's way. So what are you doing to properly prepare for that and transition wealth? at your expiration date as opposed to transitioning debt onto your family. So those are like key lenses that I see in terms of establishing generational wealth along with other healthy habits in terms of spending and then making good decisions around, you know, uh, the types of jobs or careers we go after. But it's really a habit-based thing. And, you know, I'll pause there and uh, give it back to you to see what Dr. Loving has to say about that. But really looking forward to an engagement of the conversation tonight. Most definitely. And uh, I like the fact that you brought up the, the, the point. And I think it, it goes for a lot of us, especially, um, if you will, the middle class African-American community um, to where it, it was the same in my household, really. Like I knew that my mom and my mom and dad had life insurance policies on, on people, but the conversation was never, you know, 
the process of it all. Like I knew that it was, you know, I knew that it was, I knew where the papers are and all of that stuff, but nobody ever, you know, nobody ever sat me down and said, Hey, this is how you go about getting life insurance and things of those natures. So, you know, that, you know, and, and, and that, that, that'll probably flesh itself out in the conversation in itself is just the disconnect between generations to where you are, you're educated on the need but you're not educated on the process per se on how to obtain these things. And like you said, transitioning wealth to the next generation versus transitioning debt, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of situations arise where you know that your, your parents or your grandparents have policies and things in place to take care of, you know, things when, when, when that time comes, but you're not educated per se on, the management of those things, you know, and that's where the financial literacy and education really comes into play. It's like, I can tell you that all of these things exist and I can tell you that you have this, you know, for lack of a better word, this safety net. But if I don't teach you how, if I don't give you these financial goals and these financial values, if I don't pass that along as well, then you still, you know, kind of in a, in a, you know, for lack of a better word, again, a sunken place. But Dr. Levin, this one, I'll throw it to you, mm -hmm. is, you know, when we're talking about this financial liter literacy and education, let's talk about a little bit of this disconnect where in the situation where, I, you know, for, for us, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing a little bit of an assumption here is our families, we know, you know, people had life insurance policies and they, you know, had good jobs and pensions and things of that sort. So we know a bit about we've been taught you know the values of saving in that way but i don't think a lot of us were actually given the the the, the steps the you know the process of how to actually do it like we've been you know it's been drilled in our head get you a savings account save you some money you know get a good job and those types of things but how many people have actually sat down and taught us what to do, how to do it, and that thing. But that's the, you know, that's the point that I want to throw to you to kind of elaborate on is, you know, getting, basically getting like one piece of the story. Like we've been taught the importance of how to do it, but we weren't actually taught how to do it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think, have we even talked about it in, in a lot of households, right? Because at the end of the day, um, once you, you know, account for income, education, all these things, um, African-Americans are more likely to own a life insurance policy than other races. But the value, as Destrian um, spoke about earlier, um, being, being burial policy value, basically just enough to cover the expenses for the funeral, okay? And, and so what you get from that is... And, and this is not to uh, to shame anybody, um, because this, I think, is the prevailing mindset within a lot of communities and, and certainly within the African-American community. It's like you work, you pay bills, you know, you get what it is that you need and some of the stuff that you want. And at the end of the day, there's not really a lot left over. You know, the average family isn't really saving um the the average american worker hasn't really gotten a raise in like the past 30 years right so what you're looking at is people who have a a background and an experience where basically at the end of the day you spend what you make and you live at the level that you can afford and that's it 
Now, the stretch from that to thinking about, well, what's going to happen in, in the future, and maybe I can use some of the money that I have if I forego some of my consumption now and invest effectively or do a side hustle and get some money so that I can invest and save or whatever over time and put myself in a position where I'm better off and I can call more shots and maybe give myself the opportunity to own my own business and make more, change the quality of my own life is something that a lot of people haven't even really thought of. But to go beyond that and say, man, I could potentially positively impact the lives of my kids and my grandkids in terms of their ability to make choices. And that's what money gives you, right? Uh, having wealth gives you options. If you've got the money in your pocket, you can decide what, it, what your next move is going to do, going to be, excuse me. If you don't have money in your pocket, then the next move is going to have to be the one it puts money in your pocket. That's kind of how it goes, right? You're in a position where you need those uh, financial opportunities. And so when you create those financial opportunities for your, your, uh, your kids and your grandkids, you're thinking a lot farther ahead than the average American person is thinking. Just being, just being real with you. You know, and so literacy, part of it starts with with developing the right attitude and knowing what's out there and knowing what's possible for you. Um, so that's part that's part of the whole process is is knowing that or learning that, and uh, finding you know the right type of financial professionals can can help you get that sort of base level of knowledge. But then also, um, and that's why I'm trying to you know I'm doing this podcast. I'm also um, getting ready to start my little my little TV show. Uh, loving on money where we'll do topics financial topics and and um short uh short show form basically uh, kind of oh, like hold goody. on hold on hold on hold on don't just don't just gloss over introducing this <laughs> <laughs> this brand new concept Go we, got, we got some, we got some stuff coming for you brother we got some things my my point is like financial literacy needs to permeate just the overall environment in terms of in terms of entertainment something you can watch learn uh, you know about a financial product in a in a short period of time learn about financial strategies these types of things eventually I've, i think i've told you before i want to have the long form dr oz type show where we do the dr loving thing and talk about finance but and, and people who are engaged in certain types of uh financial experiences but when we talk when i'm talking about um you know this show it's more just hey let's talk about some of the opportunities that are out there just on a just on a brief high quick level so that you can know some things that are um that are potential tools for you to make your life better and to make your your kids and grandkids lives better and, and potentially put you in a, a different place where you get to make different um choices and you have more options ahead of you because you have you just are a little bit more aware of the tools available to you I think that there's this assumption that people have that, oh, yeah, man, folks will, folks will find what it is that they need. And that's, you know, people spend a lot of time out there struggling just because they don't have the person around them, to, you know, to, to give them the help that they need or to point them to the person who can really help them. And so uh, to the extent that we can start to be that help for people, that's what I'm about, man. And so when I talk, in the, when I talk about financial literacy, right, it's, it's a, I think it's an extraordinarily important part 
of the overall process so that you can start to build the mindset and attitude necessary to be a person who's going to build wealth and and create an estate and put your family in a position where the next generation lives um, even better than the present generation. You know, in this country, now we're finally getting to the place where, um, you know, the, the Generation Z might not live as well as, you know, Generation X. And that's a problem. <clears throat> Declining decline lifestyle is not something that you want to have is one of the markers of how your, you know, country and your society is going. You want things moving in a positive direction. And so um, to the extent that we can be a part of putting that information out there, helping people, entertaining folks, having a good time too, right? That's got to be a part of it. Otherwise, nobody won't watch no, or hear anything where they just feel like they're dying on the inside. But at the same time, man, you need to got to get these things in there, man, to, to help you um, put yourself in a in a better position going forward. Because the opportunity's there for you. So that's all I have to say about that. Most definitely, most definitely. And I, I like the point that you brought up. I'm gonna throw it to you, DJ, real quick, because you wanted to uh, interject. But I definitely want to, you know, remind people of the point. Something that you you brought up, Dr. Loving, is wealth equals options. And I want that to, you know, kind of stick in the back of everybody's mind. And if you're taking notes, write that down. Wealth equals options. But DJ, go ahead and make the point you were trying to make. And, and that's exactly where I was going with uh, with the follow-up, because I think that in, in order for us to really effectively flush this out, let, let's, let's wholeheartedly connect part one and part two. In order to break out of these generational cycles, you have to be willing to do something that hasn't been done. You have to be willing to have conversations that have not been had, and you're creating that optionality for your family that hasn't hasn't been there before. In order to do that, it it requires, like we said in the uh, in the prior episode, it it requires those honest conversations about mistakes that have been made. So we've seen when like you talked about before when people pass away or what have you the struggle that it takes just to you know give them a proper uh home going so to speak no one is having that conversation to say let's prevent this from happening with me going forward because i think inherently especially in our communities we have this notion that people should learn by experience and experience is a brutal teacher and it's a really expensive teacher and as opposed to helping people advance themselves by guiding them we tend to allow them to make the exact same mistakes we've made just so that they can understand what it is it took us all this time to understand that is detrimental to your families so if you have someone in your family that's saying, hey, well, you'll learn, you'll, what, what do you say, you'll, you'll understand it by and by. No, I need to know today. I need to really understand what my opportunity costs are because may, may, maybe I can even help you understand some of yours that you're leaving on the table. It's so important that we start to have conversations and get beyond the remedial understanding of like Dr. Loving said, the burial policy, because there are tax benefits to receiving inheritance through an insurance policy in terms of pass-throughs, et cetera. And there are so many ways 
in which we should be insured. And I wanted to I wanted to point this out quickly. So many of us rely on our jobs to provide insurance and we forget that the day that you no longer have that job, you're no longer insured. So a lot of folks are walking around feeling as if they're covered because, hey, I have three times or four times my salary. That is only good as long as you're employed. The day that you're no longer employed, you don't have anything. So making sure that while you're young and you're healthy or relatively healthy, whatever that is, it's a few dollars a month. It's less than going to get the two for 20 at damn Applebee's. So why not go get a few hundred thousand dollars of insurance? And I would even say that that's on the low end for a lot of us because we've amassed serious student loan debt. If you went out and bought a home, if you have young children, these are all things you have to think about. You need to sit down with someone and really assess your liabilities and figure out what type of insurance you need and protect yourself and your family in the event that something were to happen to you. And it is it is a serious cycle change, and it's something that we need to break from the traditional norms of, you know, ten or $15,000, sure, we can put you away. But when you got $200,000 in debt, you're leaving that to your next of kin. And that is just not the proper way to function, operate, or create wealth. And it, it, it's... It's so imperative to have those conversations. Dr. Loving hit the nail on the head. It's about having options. There's only one option when you don't plan, and, and that's the panic. But when you've properly planned, yes, you're going to be sad to see any of your loved ones go. But they've created a legacy that they've passed on, and you can tell your grandkids or your grandkids' kids that, hey, you know, our families legacy was established with Arthur or, or, or Jammu, and because he properly planned, we were able to chart our own course and have options and do the things we need to do as a family to move ourselves forward. Only one generation of your family absolutely has to be poor. The rest is up to you. And I just wanted to make sure I said that. No, most definitely it's something that needs to be said. And like I said, this 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 episode and the last episode might be, you know, two of the most important episodes that we ever do in this whole series. Um, and honestly, this whole this this conversation warrants for it to be brought up again and again. So this may not be the last time you hear us talk about this because this is, you know, ultimately one of the purposes of us doing this uh, is to is to change the narrative, you know, and. One of the models that I've, you know, recently adopted it uh, for myself and, you know, for, for, for my inner circle is we stack in paper property and policies. Um, I myself uh, just added another life insurance policy for myself. And a lot of people, I think there's there, you know, and y'all can, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is there may be slightly a negative stigma attached to life insurance policies just because, you know, a lot of people don't really look at it the fact of a lot of people may not even know the fact that debt doesn't go away necessarily when you're dead. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just that financial literacy in itself is missing from the conversation. A lot of people do not know 
that debt doesn't go away when you're dead. A lot of debt is still there. If you buy a house today and you die tomorrow, you still own that house. It doesn't magically disappear because, oh, you don't exist anymore. It goes to whoever you – that's what the DJ brought up the point. You can transition wealth and you can transition debt. And the conversation we're gearing you towards is transitioning more wealth than debt to your to your loved ones. And that's ultimately what it's about. You know, owning land, owning property, great. But make sure you're owning it and you don't own it. Because if you're paying on it, now when you're dead and you haven't financially educated your your loved ones to how to maintain, then now they got debt. And that's why we 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 see a lot of people lose properties and lose assets because they were not, you know, educated on the process of maintaining, uh, you know, financial literacy, you know, financial independence, generational wealth, financial freedom. But, Doc, I'll throw it to you mm-hmm. um, because yeah. I see you wanted to make a point. Go ahead. Well, no, when you talk about the, the whole land thing or, or houses, property, let me tell you, man, I have seen some of the biggest mistakes and some of the biggest blunders in terms of people losing uh, properties for, for property tax and in terms of people losing um, but or the property just – um, because it's had it has such fractional ownership, you know you can't have you can't really move in a certain direction because you got oh I'm gonna leave it to all the kids and they gonna do the right thing. <sighs> like property in terms of physical you know property and land and things, it, I would say you as the person leaving that property, you want to try to come up with a plan for dividing it among the people before it even starts, and so that. Um, you can uh, you can eliminate confusion. So I guess I'm saying, all right. So you do have the you know the the component of of leaving a legacy and leaving opportunity for your family. But also, if you are future minded, you have to uh, you want to be thoughtful about the way in which you structure things and specifically your wills and trusts um, that are going to have um, uh, going forth after you pass away. Man, you need you need to you need a lawyer. Okay, you need a lawyer and you need an advisor to help you make sure that you have the proper funding instruments working with the legal structure that the lawyer helps you create. So the trust is like a garage. Okay, the trust that the lawyer um, puts together that says, hey, this is going to go to this person. and This is going to go to that person. You know, that that's a category, right? Or, you know, a, a way in which you decide that things are, are, are going to move at your death. You have to have the assets available to put there. And that's where the insurance comes in in a lot of cases, right? Having insurance policies that um, will pay off as soon as you pass away and maybe the beneficiary, depending on the um, estate issues that you have and the state where you are and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. But the um yeah, the estate will immediately get money and then they can start you can it can start to be start to operate the way in which you as the person who's passing away the way that you had intended from the beginning but all of that is dependent upon you being proactive right that can't that's not going to happen unless you make it happen okay so my point uh, about things like land is, and, um, you know, companies and, and property other than, you know, just stocks and things that can be uh, very liquid and divided easily is that the more uh, 
uh, the more complex and tangible, whatever it is that, that you're trying to leave to the next generation is, the more explicit that you want to be about how what's going to happen when you go. And the more you want to have documentation in and, and the form of trust. And, and the more, in those cases, that you need to work with the financial and legal professionals that are going to have help you make that happen, right? And so, you, you know, this is a lot of folks who's like, man, look, I'm just trying to pay my bills, man. You over here talking about stuff. This, this is too much going on. Well, okay, maybe maybe this talk is a little advanced for you right now. There'll be some you can listen to some of the other podcasts that'll bring you along, and maybe eventually you uh, get to the place where you can see how this might be important to you, and then some of the opportunities that are out there for you to make either extra money or do the things that you need to do in order to make this happen for yourself and your family. Should this be important to you? But there's a lot of folks out there who would say this is important to them. And they, you know, they know that they make a decent amount of money and they know that they can leave a legacy for their kids and they just haven't gotten around to it. And so I want to encourage those folks to say, all right, let's get serious. Let's start doing, let's start putting this whole thing together. Let's start putting together a real strategy so we can be um, purposeful about what we want to do going forward. Um, And it doesn't, you know, by the way, it doesn't have to be just for your family. It can be for institutions that you really care about. Look at that uh, the billionaire, Robert Smith, and what he did for those young students at Morehouse. And I know we'll talk about this more later. But, man, look at that opportunity. That was 400 students. I think they said it was around $40 million in debt. That's basically 100000 per student on average that he's taken away from them in terms of obligation. And now they can use the money that they would have otherwise had to get towards paying those student loans back towards building opportunities for themselves, their family, fellow Morehouse uh, students of the future, their communities. Man, look at how much good can be done uh, from something like that. And it's something to think about in terms of how we might politically in the future Uh, seek to unburden our younger generations uh, by making the cost of education more affordable so that they can start their lives in a way where they can, you know, secure houses and not have to move back home with mommy and daddy, right? And they can buy a car and they can live where they want to live and they can start building financial futures for themselves. And then like we talked about um, after that, man, seeing to the next generation and generation after that, man, think think about what could happen if folks wake up and they they've got you know the education and all of that in front of them but they also have you know two hundred thousand dollars even if it was just that amount that was theirs right that they could use and access for different things not you know besides the food clothing and shelter but it's just there for them it's funny because on the socio-political side of things you have some people some politicians actually talking about these things. You have some scholars talking about baby bonds and those types of deals. Well, you can create that whole baby bond situation for your own family um, without waiting for half the country to come along and want to do it with you. So just throwing that out there. Well, definitely. And, you know, as, as we, as we take this conversation on and definitely in the after show, we'll, you know, we'll get into a lot more nitty and gritty of the, of the situation and more personal as we always do. Um, that that you know that definitely will come out in the conversation. But DJ, I wanted to throw it to you, throw it back to you about you know the intention versus the education. Because a lot of people, you know, if you ask somebody, if you just walk up to anybody and ask them, do you want to leave debt to your loved ones? Of course, everybody you know with the right mind will say no. Of course not. And you know, but 
they may not necessarily know the steps to take to prevent that from happening. And, you know, you mentioned it before, Dr. Loving mentioned it, and we'll probably keep mentioning it, just how simple and easy it is to kind of alleviate some of that. Like most of us who are making decent money, you don't have to be rich. And that's the thing a lot of people think is to create generational wealth. You have to be rich and you have to be wealthy. But it could be as simple as starting with you, like DJ and Dr. Loving, and we keep saying is simply with you, like, I'll be transparent. I have a life insurance policy this term, 20 years, that gives me $200,000 worth of coverage, and it costs me $13 a month. Now, transparency, I know for a fact that I eat lunch out. I don't, you know, I go out to eat lunch once or twice minimum per week. Each time I go somewhere, whether it's Sonic or Burger King or Chipotle or something, I'm spending 7 to $8. Two meals, two days worth of lunch is what I pay for, you know, $200,000 worth of coverage. That may not be a lot, but it's a lot, you know. So if that time comes and something happens to me, my wife and my daughter have $200,000 that they're going to get. Now that, the average funeral cost is seven to $9,000. They can give me a decent funeral, and now they've still got, you know, six figures to do what they need to do. And that in itself sets them apart from a vast majority of people. And, you know, just I just wanted to throw that in there because a lot of people don't understand literally how simple it can be. And even in this day and age, you got a lot of, you know, you got a lot of commercials and companies popping up where they're making it more accessible for people who aren't necessarily having a lot of expendable income because people think you got to have, you know, this vast amount of expendable income to get these extra coverages when you when in, in reality you don't. Like Dr. Levin always says it, people over things, and you got to make a couple of little sacrifices. So if if I can stop myself from going to Burger King twice a week, I can afford to give my family this peace of mind. And that's what it really is when it comes down to it. But, DJ, I'll throw it to you because you want to touch on leaving your values, the intention, and the education well, part. You know, before you go there, I just want to say one quick, I don't, one quick thing. I'm sorry. I, you know, I won't jump in too much. But, look, man, this is out here for the, for the baby mamas, uh, the baby mama's mamas, uh, that you, okay, mama's got. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's classic. I'm sorry. But the, you you have this young man that ain't halfway paying child support, that's not really working, not really in the child's life, and he in the streets. But whether you, you made a mistake, whatever, that stuff happens, right? Look, $13 a month, couple hundred thousand dollars that can go to setting up an opportunity for you and your kids or your grandkids. So I'm talking to the to the to, to the big mamas out there and I'm talking to the uh you know the baby mamas out there that you working, you putting all of you hey, you making all of the ends meet and you got a little extra and you know, you I'm not saying that you got a lot extra and you feel like you're balling in anything, but you you part of you is wondering, hey what things should I do to make myself okay? Hey, look, having some insurance, you have an insurable interest on your baby's father. You know, I've seen policies that, you know, even, you know, $100,000 for 10 bucks a month or even less than that, man. Or So depending on that person's age and, and health and all the rest of that, it, there are also policies where you don't even have to medically, you know, send any information in or qualify in those types of ways. So there, you know, there are opportunities for you to get that person insured. Not encourage you to do it because if something happens to them, 
they'll probably be passing that hat to you. You can put some money in that hat, but you'd also have some money for your kid, too. So that's all I got on that one. No, that's real, man. Um, <clears throat> it's, that's real, because along the lines of what I was uh, jumping in on, Dr. Loving, was it's, it's the value system. And we have to understand that as, as we talk about transitioning wealth, one of the cycles that has to be broken again is transitioning debt. So that's a real thing. And that's habit forming. So what type of value system are you transferring? So the same way you give money, you give habits. The same way you give debt, you give habits. So if I give you this money without the proper habits, what do you do with it? You blow it. How do you make decisions? That's also a value system. So the same way you're saying, hey, listen, if you're a single mother, and you're out there and you know that this gentleman is not going to do the right thing, so to speak, the, the only right thing you may be able to get him to do is to sign this paperwork. And you absolutely need to get it done. Because, again, it's protection. You don't need it until you, you, you don't know you need it until you f figure out that you do. And that's a bad time. There's a, uh, there's a gentleman that I'm very close with. He always says that, the day of the trip is not the day to pack. And that is what insurance is for your family. And in terms of generating wealth, when we're talking about transitioning values. One of the things that I find in my occupation, even with wealthy families, now keep in mind these are wealthy families, families that have amassed a net worth of, let's say, a million or more dollars. They don't talk to their kids about the potential inheritance. Number one, they don't want them to feel entitled. They don't want them to think that they don't have to work. But what they are leaving on the table is the opportunity to transition their values. How did we get this money? How have I kept it for 40 years? How do I plan to give it to you? Dr. Loving talked about it earlier. Is there a philanthropic cause that you'd like me to champion on your behalf if something were to happen to you? cancer research, AIDS advocacy, domestic violence, any of those things, you, you, you don't know because you're not having the conversations to, trans to transition the values. If you transition the values properly, that's a part of the financial literacy. When you can get the value system right, then you can get the literacy right as well. One of, one of our major issues, again, is the disconnect between the socioeconomic topics that we should be discussing at the dinner table versus the things that, you know, are inconsequential that are going on. And as Dr. Loving and both author alluded to, we have a serious opportunity, but it also poses a tremendous risk. If you don't look at both sides of the coin and make a decision appropriately, you're creating another generation. And I want you to hear that generation, that means like a lifetime. You're creating a lifetime of, of potential strife and, 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 and just destitution. Why not be the change that you hope to see? And in doing so, simply put, Arthur said he sacrifices two fast food meals a month. 
Now, he was transparent, and, and, and I'll be transparent as well, just to make it real. There are ways that you can ensure yourself that a lot of us are not paying attention to at all. Several people on this uh, on this call or listening to this call probably have AAA. There's no need to go in for a physical. There's uh, very minimal paperwork involved. If you have AAA, they offer up to $300,000 in insurance. 300000 they offer it. If you have a credit card, when you get that statement in the mail or you get that approval in the mail, a lot of us just go and look for the APR and figure out if we're paying an annual fee. If you continue to read that fine print, most of your credit cards also offer insurance on you for a small fee. It could be as low as $4 a month for an extra $25,000, $30,000. I just want to, I, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to interject because you brought that up and reminded me too. Um, your credit unions and your banks. Because as a matter go. of fact, to be transparent, I just got an email today from my credit union, well, one of my credit unions that said, thank you for being a customer. They are providing accident coverage, which is a supplemental insurance, for free. All you got to do is fill out the form. So that might be something that people want to look into. Open up an account with a credit union or a bank, but, you know, Absolutely. ask them, do they have any any extras? Because a lot of these companies, a lot of these financial companies are offering extra because they need your business. Like, let's be honest, right. this, this this whole the credit finance industry, if they don't have consumers, they don't exist. So they got to offer these extras because, you know. The interest rates ain't really going up like 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 people want them to. So right. they got to offer supplemental things that's cheaper for them. Like for them to give you five percent interest costs them a lot of money, but for them to give you you know accident coverage that costs them three dollars a month, they'd much rather do that. So I just wanted to throw that point in there because that's something that it's recently. Great point. It's, it's, it's a great point. And let and let's be clear when we when we talk about the to be specific when we talk about the intention versus the education. A lot of times our family members' intentions are good, but there's a lack of education around the execution that needs to happen. Now, either we're going to continue that generational cycle or we're going to break it so that we can step into some generational wealth. And what I mean by that is, hey, you know, I, I would love for my son or daughter to live a better life than I did. Well, you have to change habits and you have to implement habits that are different than the ones that you've had, and you have to teach a different decision-making matrix. The reason why that's important is exactly what Arthur just mentioned. It's the details. The devil's always in the details, and we're missing the detail. The details say that we all have an opportunity to access these things, and we don't for whatever reason. Now, when when you uh, there there's a I would call this gentleman a friend of the show. Uh, if you're on Instagram, his name is Mr. Build Wealth. Uh, uh, formal name is ja Mr. Jasper Smith. He's out in Oakland right now. Um, I used to work with Jasper, and he's uh, he's charted an outstanding career out in the Bay Area. And uh, shout out to him. But he actually did a live, a go live yesterday around generational wealth and a client that he met with. And he was attempting to get the client to explore setting up something for the family. That client said all the classic things. I've worked hard. They should work hard, too. 
Um, I've taken care of them their whole life. I've put them through school. I'm not leaving them any money. It's, you know, I, I have enough to bury myself and, you know, they can figure it out from there. You see, that mentality was a value system that was passed on to them. You have to break that because it's not that that person is not capable. Is that that person has good intentions. Hey, I want to teach the value of hard work. I want them to know what it is to, to earn something and to appreciate it. But with a little education, think about how that would be tilted. I'm going to educate my child. I'm going to tell them, have the conversation. And he talked about this. Same things we're saying. Have the conversation with your, your family member, your children, whomever around what it took for you to get what you had. So you give them that along with the money, and that's going to be their guide to better decision-making, and that's going to lead them to the financial professional, the legal professional that Dr. Loving was talking about, and that's what's going to help them make better decisions, and that's how you break out of cycles. It's really the ability to act and share information because, again, information is keen. You don't know what you don't know. You can't be what you can't see, and you can't conceptualize concepts that have never been brought before you. So we have to have more conversation. It's no good keeping it to yourself. Your biggest value is your experience and the information that you've had, and a lot of it is based on the mistakes that you've made. So that intention versus education, your intentions are great, but you lack the education to execute. And you should be open and honest about that with your family members. Last thing I would say on this before we transition is, you know, I went to my family when I started, when I started working in finance and I said, we should do something as a family and get a group policy. I've had several people in my family sell insurance and some of the older folks that sold insurance said, Hey, you know, he's on to something here. It was that value system that had already been transferred throughout generations that said he's trying to take something from us I watched some of our family members leave here and we can't do the proper things for them and I can't do anything about that because all I can do is share the information but I've set my mother down and we've had conversations hey this is going to be uncomfortable I want to know what you want if something were to happen to you because I want to honor you properly but we also need to be prepared financially to do so is there anything you'd like to leave your grandchildren Gabrielle DJ what 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 would you like them to have when would you like them to have it these are important conversations to have because that's also a peace of mind that 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 you're you're doing a good thing I don't need it. You know, like I'm fine. I'm doing okay. And I think that's, that's what most parents end up seeing. Hey, my kid is doing fine. They don't need me. Like I, I don't, I don't need this insurance. What about your grandkid? Show me a grandparent. And uh, Jasper also talked about this. Show me a grandparent and show me a grandchild that can't get anything they want from that grandparent. Now, just because you didn't get it as their child doesn't mean they won't do it for the grandchild.
Man, let me. So, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Look, so when you, at this when you point, think about hey, that, at this point, all three of us are parents, and we already right. got, all of us know. I know for a fact can attest that. Yeah, Absolutely. our children can literally they can have whatever they want. Murder in front they of their whatever they want. And, but that's that's your that's your ace of spades. That's the card that you play. Hey, if not for me, for Avery, right. if not for me. For a night, if not for me, for Dallas, if not for me, for Gabrielle, because they see you as a self-sufficient, self-sustaining human being who can help them if they need anything. Like, hey, what am I leaving you money for if I'm calling you for money? Like, they're not well, going to do it. Let's let, let let's talk about that because you've been this point has has brought itself up, and I, I this is definitely something that needs to be. You know, it needs to be talked about. is It's not necessarily selfish, but in a sense, at its at its core, it's kind of selfish. Where we have that, where the, the older generation has that mentality of, well, you know, I worked hard for this, so right. you should work hard for your own. And right. when I'm gone, I'm leaving this to, you know. I'm leaving this to my wife, who's also my same age, so it'll take, but, it, you know, in, in actuality, it should be a conversation had, like you said, where it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to make sure that, you know, grandma, you know, grandma's taken care of, but let's be honest about this. Grandma ain't going to be here as long as your grandchild is going to be here. Let's talk about the after of that, and let's also make sure that grandma, is, like, everything is set up to where grandma can't mess it up. And then let's also make sure that oh, the man. grandchildren yeah. can't mess it up because we, let's be honest, we know of situations where the beneficiary, that's a word that we all need to know and learn, right. the, yeah. benefici- the beneficiary has messed it up yeah. or they the screwed it up. The, the, the executor yeah. of the estate. The executor has know. messed it up. Let's go. Let's talk about right. it. Yeah. Well, well. I'll be really brief because this is uh, this is absolutely in the PhD lane, but our issue again is you're not transitioning values. You're allowing people to find out what is supposed to happen when you're not there to facilitate the conversation. So when I'm dead and gone, because I think we all know if you have a, you know, Dr. Loving said it earlier, a big mama, like my grandmother's big mama. Whatever she says goes. It doesn't matter what a piece of paper says. If she says it's happening, it's happening. So if she has that conversation while she's coherent, breathing, and competent, her wishes are going to be respected. But what we do is, you know, we've entrusted that that old eldest child, so to speak, because I think we all know this is how it goes. I told the eldest, the eldest is going to tell everybody else. And what happens? Mom told me that all the money belongs to me. No hell. No hell it doesn't. And then all hell breaks loose and we're fighting about money. Let's be, let's be real. Let's be real. Because we know in most households, especially in the African-American community, ain't too much to fight over. So what's left is literally you got family members fighting over the scraps. It's like, Mama and daddy, the only thing they owned was this house and what's in this house. So now let's 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 try to split up this house, these these this defined China, Mm -hmm. you know, the the antiques, 
Let's fight over that. And that's what all we got left. But there's no there's no life insurance policy to fight over. You know, there's no there's no liquid assets like Dr. Levin said to fight over. There's there there are no assets really besides what's physically there. And that's what people are left to fight over and argue over. And in the grand scheme of things, it ain't worth it's a whole nothing. lot. It's, it's nothing. nothing. It's not worth a whole lot. To be yeah, honest, it's, it's, it's less than six figures because yeah. the house is the house is in a in a neighborhood that you know you, you couldn't commit them to move out for you, forty you, right. years. Right, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't, and then now by this time, when in this day and age, the neighborhood back when they bought it, it was booming, very good, high high property value. Now the property mm-hmm. value's gone down. You know, the whole neighborhood's gone. There's nothing, there's nothing around it to attract anybody new, and so now you're you're literally fighting over scraps, and that's what happens to a lot of people. But yet, and still, we're still fighting over scraps, and they will do it. And they, I've I've had folks would come from the come from the funeral. To my office when I was in Calumet City. Yeah. Come from, from in the funeral clothes. I know she had an account up here, right? And 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 get to arguing with one another because one person was listed as the beneficiary and the other person wasn't. And they, uh, you know, uh, uh, you uh, you gonna steal it all anyway? And not to the extent that you can have all of this stuff laid out because with beneficiaries and um, whether it's on certain accounts. Right, you can have you can set up your accounts as the bank that you're at now with the transfer on death, which will mm-hmm. automatically move, pull that money to whoever it is that you designate. And you can go into any of your bankers and, and set that up on any accounts that you have, right? And the nice thing about that is now you don't have to worry about the courts making the move. The bank will make the move. Exactly. My, but the the funny thing is, well, I don't know how funny it is, but after the person is gone, all that's left. Is the stuff, and I mean, yeah, you got the memories, the way they made you feel, and all the rest of this. But people immediately start concerning themselves with the stuff, man. Whether it, whether it's the actual physical stuff, I always like that picture. I always like that statue. I would, you know what I mean? That daddy's hats and clothes and all the rest of these types of things can become big bones of contention. Um, and and people, you cannot count on folks in the fog of grief to do the right thing. And I think a lot of times older older folks have this tendency to think, oh, you know, like you said, you tell the big oldest one and they'll tell the rest of them, or they going to do the right thing. The one that stay in the house with you, you leave the house to him, and then that's, you know, and he'll give, give some everybody up. Look, whatever it is that you want to have happen, you better specify what it is. And you can, you can um, you know, with, with trust, and wills, you can set things up so that what it is that you want to have happen does happen. So I don't know how many big mamas we have that listen to our podcast. It just made me feel a little bit bad about some of our after shows and cursing. But <laughs> if, if there are big mamas listening and, you know, um, that that's something that appeals to them and, you know, they stack they stack money. They save and savings accounts and CDs and all the rest of that. And I would just... In the walls of your house? Yeah. And under the mattress? Yes. And, and I would just encourage them to recognize that if you plan and you know 100% that you want to leave that money to um, the next generation, 
or that's you know that that's what precisely what you're going to do with it, then the best place to put it is in some kind of insurance policy because what's going to happen is if you got 50,000 to leave them, the insurance policy death benefit will be for 100,000 at least and you know and that's for a uh a paid up policy um that uh that's a you know lifetime a lifetime uh policy it's a what they call permanent insurance okay so you you're in a position yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you to cover this for uh, for our listeners. Um, I think that is is valuable for for some of the listeners to understand that a a insurance policy that is paid in full is an asset, and I don't right. think that uh, a lot of people calculate that in that way. They look at it as, oh, I, I got this bill. Well, the, yeah. the issue the, the the issue is that you don't pay the you let it you allow it to lapse. And it la- once it laps is money that you've thrown away. But if you are committed and you pay on time, or if you pay the policy in full, you've now pulled the asset over onto your balance sheet. So if you could kind of walk folks through that, I think that'd be helpful as well. Oh, oh, oh yeah, real quick, real quick, real quick. I don't want to throw too much on your plate, but I know you're hungry. But I want to throw this in there with you as well, because like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is what these two gentlemen do when i'm when i'm when i'm sad because they out in the world spread knowledge this is the knowledge that they spread and this is super important that's why i'm so blessed that we having this conversation right now and the after show gonna be lit but i want i also want to throw on that plate how people are affected by the stigma behind insurance in general because if we look at all the other insurance medical insurance and car insurance being the two main ones a lot of people look at it from the point of i'm paying this bill every month and i don't use it but in the grand scheme of things, life insurance is one of those policies you going to use. You are going to leave this earth at some point, and someone is going to benefit from this insurance. Car insurance, you can pay for years and years and years and years, have a perfect driving record and never get into an accident, and that's just money you spent. But it's insurance. You can have medical insurance for years and years and years and years and never do nothing but go get a physical from your doctor and you never get admitted to the hospital and that's just money spent but you were covered but with life insurance at some point that policy is going to pay off but I think a lot of people are affected by the the general stigma behind insurance in general where it's like I'm paying this and I'm not using this so I just wanted to throw that in there yeah. as just like mm, let's 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 talk about it and wake some people yeah. up yeah, so for the specific example I was using a minute ago about Big Mama who had a whole bunch of money and uh, savings accounts, CDs, and in the wall, and you know, let's say she's got um, you know eighty thousand dollars. There are single premium whole life policies, is what they're known as, where she could take you know fifty thousand of that eighty and buy a policy. Um, and what will happen is that immediately upon execution of the policy, now if she dies, then the next generation gets a hundred thousand dollars, right? The death benefit of that policy. Um, while Big Mama's alive, if say she needed the money, um, she will have a cash balance somewhere less than that. Uh, fifty thousand dollars but some of them have it where if you need all of the money you can pull that whole fifty thousand back right and then she's still accumulating some the of cash value yeah so she's it accumulating on... cash value while she's yeah. living 
Right, exactly. So they have a, they, but they have a lot of different policies that have different bells and whistles that can that can make it so that it it will trigger your ability to use the money if Big Mama somehow needed it. But my point is, these tools are out there where if your motive is to leave it to the next generation, then um, you know using tools that are designed for basically holding money or um, or um, accumulating money, which is what your CDs are in your bank accounts. It's about just saving and building up money. The insurance is specifically designed to benefit the next generation. Anytime you have specific design and you have a motive that you know that you want to accomplish, then, you know, that's why planning is so important and goal setting is so important because then you can start to see, okay, this is what I want to do. Right. And leaving this potential, you know, amount of money to uh, you can leave it to Morehouse College or you leave it to your kids. Right. Though that amount of money that you you'd like to live. Now you can go ahead, set up a specific goal for that. Look at specific products to get the job done and, and move intentionally using the best tools for what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Right. That's that's what uh, you'd like to be able to do in pretty much anything. But definitely when it comes to your financial life, and we don't spend a lot of time in the educational system, we don't spend a lot of time even in the financial system explaining the clients what it is that they need to do. We may, The banks and the financial services companies have the services there for the people who know, but if you don't know, getting back to the financial literacy point, a lot of times you just end up among those people who you get what it is that you get. And, you know, you, you know, you walk through life uninformed about some of the potential opportunities that are out there. And so that's what this show is about. And I encourage you to talk to financial professionals about it. You don't have to pull the trigger with anybody on any particular policy just to learn um, what it is that they are talking about with certain types of life insurance policies. But we can't be scared of a tool, right? You Like Arthur said, you know you're going to die. Yeah, you might... You, yeah, you have that, that balance where you're trying to say, hey, you know, I want to build as much as possible for myself so that I can live a comfortable retirement and, and live comfortably into old age. On the other side of the coin, if I happen to not make it to old age, I want to make sure that my wife and daughter are taken care of. I don't want her to have to move in with the one-tooth man. Y'all know who the one-tooth man is, right? I never talked about him. That's the, that's the dude. You got a nice... Uh, young young lady who her husband passes away and they've been basically he's been they've been paying the bills while he was there but now that he's gone you leave a desperate hole there where you have obligations but no resources because the person that was working has passed away and you didn't have any insurance for it so what's left after that it's the one tooth man the dude at the club with all of the keys talking about what's going on, young lady. Let me do what, what bills you got. He drives a van and he only has one tooth. He got a social security check. He knows champ. They used to hang back in the day. But the, my point <laughs> is, this is, this is the future that you just leave the people that you otherwise profess to love when she got to deal with that old man sliding. You go, you want them old, you want them fake gators under your bed, bro? Is that what you oh want? Oh my God! The fake. <laughs> you, Listen, uh, you want? 
them fake, oh, ga- them fake gator sandals. Is that what you want, or do you want to go ahead and provide some that you know? Hey, look, 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 look. She can make solid. Look, 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 look. Have I eased look, off into the after show here with this one? Here we go, Doc. Here we go. Quickly, no, look. quickly. No, here we go. No, here we go. Because y'all know how we run this. Because I see where this is headed. No, Let's wrap not it yet. up. Not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. You're not gonna take it to the after show yet. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna go right there. No, that, I gotta, no this is what me, I'm saying because I don't I don't want it to go too far too far. No, we into can't go real. No, we need to, we need to, we we need to get we need to get there. I'm so go ready ahead. To go ahead. There. So keep so keep but, so keep going there. Go ahead. But I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna kind of bring it back. But he 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 threw it off the backboard perfectly with his commentary because. You can't always wait on the elders to do what must be done. These kids, you know, myself, you, Dr. Loving, our constituents that are listening to this call, if your mother, grandmother, whomever is not going to spend the $10 on a policy, pay it. We all make decent money, and if we're not making decent money, we're blowing money in other ways. Go insure loved ones. You want to do something for their birthday? Now, where I'm from, they're going to look at you crazy, but do it anyway. Hey, I, I just want to let you know I got you a, uh, a insurance policy for your birthday. You're going to get an awkward look, but you need to explain that. If something should happen to you, I'm going to send your granddaughter or your grandson to college, and I'm going to tell them that that was from you. That doesn't sound like you're just trying to offer them now. So it did again, sound it was sounding iffy for a minute there, but now nah, right. I like this oh, now. Yeah. I like the direction you, know, you went after that. That's good. right, right. <laughs> because I think we all know, and and again, he talked about the stigmas. That's the stigma. Like, why the hell you got some insurance on me? What you trying to do to me? We got to get beyond that. I want I want my loved ones to be here with me until the end. But I think we all know that that's that's a hope and a dream that is not going to happen. Or I could go before them. And if I do, I want to leave something for them too. I want to change their lives. So this is a life-changing exercise that we're endeavoring to talk about. And if your parents are not going to take it upon themselves or your grandparents or your your favorite aunt, your favorite uncle, if they're not going to take it upon themselves to do it, because God knows, I went out and talked to my whole family about it. I said, hey, let's, let's do something as a family. They were just not going to do it, and that's okay. There are a lot of things that I'm probably not privy to. Dr. Loving talked about it in the uh, previous episode. You need to talk about the things that have happened in the family over time so you know why people don't trust each other, so you know why this is going on, why uh, Auntie Michelle don't talk to Auntie Lisa, whatever. Without knowing those things, you, you you can sabotage a lot of potential growth but I'm going to lay it at the feet of this generation. If you know by way of conversation or just by way of seeing the way that your folks operate, if they don't have insurance, you should take it out on them and you should pay it because no one I know turns down anything that someone else is paying for in our communities. If it's free it's for me is the motto. So do that. Take it upon yourself. Talk to your parents. If it's no more than what Arthur said, it's $10 a month for $100,000. If you currently got AAA, 
add them to your coverage and get them covered. Whatever it takes, if, if, if they have an uninsurable condition, you need to find someone that doesn't, you know, do the physical. By any means necessary, you need to make sure you set up a maintainable insurance policy and premium that's going to be a lasting legacy for your family. There's no reason to throw money away for 10 years and then not pay it because you get tired or lazy or think that you're not going to need it. Like Arthur said, you pay car insurance because you'll go to jail for driving if you don't. This is your life. <laughs> A finite amount of time. You should insure it. Certainly your life is worth more than your car. Get some insurance on the people that you love, the people you care about. Transition your values to them, the best of you. Help them understand the importance and relevance of it and have the proper conversations. Generational wealth is not an accident. It's been happening in this country for years. That's the way that an immigrant can come over to this company, this country, I'm sorry, and the first generation can be right off a boat, uh, working the sea harbor and doing what have you through proper insurance, through proper transition of values, the next generation are set and they continue to repeat the process. We've just repeated a process of 400 years of servitude. And if we don't stop doing that, where does it end? Because the system is in place. You don't need trees to lynch people anymore. You can lynch them with a, a 400 credit score. You don't need trees to lynch people because you can do so when you pass away and you have $550,000 of, of debt and you have no insurance. You've essentially lynched your family for two or three more generations. We need to stop cannibalizing ourselves and be participants in our wealth building. And we need to make sure that all of our activities are centered around business building, wealth building, community building, and cultural building type initiatives. And for me, and I would think that I would speak for the other two guys on this uh, podcast, that's the overarching goal is to make sure that the community at large becomes stronger. And by community, we don't just mean African-American people. We mean us as a society, as a people moving forward. You know, hopefully this conversation is resonating with someone because this is a serious issue that someone will wake up and face tomorrow. Understand that someone is going to wake up and face this tomorrow. And I would hope that if any of our listeners wake up and find themselves in this situation with nowhere to turn, you have our various social media outlets, turn to us. Let us try to be a resource for you to maybe point you in the right direction because it's time to start transitioning wealth instead of debt. And it's time to transition our best values as opposed to those who have shackled and hindered us. That's it, AJ.
Most deaf, most deaf, most deaf. But um, what I want to do now, because we get to that point, and I want this conversation to dive in and get more real, as it normally does. So we're going to throw it to the after show. But, you know, I'm going to throw it to Dr. Lovin to go ahead and make his closing remarks and, you know, possibly throw himself to Alley Oop for the after show. And, DJ, you can do the same, and I'll do the same. Because this conversation definitely warrants a lot more nuance, a lot more uh, realness, and possibly more explicitness and not in the not in the form of cursing per se, but that will also come. But Dr. Lovin, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, so I'm going to be brief just because, you know, we are, we've already exhausted a lot of the time. But um, uh, make sure that you, again, are mindful. This all really does flow from the same place of, of people being more important than things, right? These insurance policies are just things. But these things give real opportunity to real people that you love and care about immensely. And so with a little bit of forethought um, and a little bit of recognition of, hey, at some point we're all going to be gone, then you start to think, as uh, DJ said, hey, only one generation has to suffer. We can set something up so that our next move after I'm gone is going to be a tremendous one. That doesn't mean that you forget about life while you live it. Hey, man, if, if you do it right and listen to other uh, other podcasts and build a future for yourself, it's going to be great too. And then you'll still be able to leave an even bigger legacy and opportunity for your family going forward. So um, that, that's all I have on, on the topic, at least in, until the after show. Go ahead, DJ. I, I yield, man. I, I've, I've said uh, I've said my piece, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll defer any other comments to the uh, after show. <laughs> I, li- I like the class in that. I like the class in that whole statement, which you know only leads me to believe that there's there's a lot that my brother want to say, and it, you know it warrants the 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 creative freedom of the after show. So as always, I encourage everyone to listen to the after show because a lot more knowledge and is going to be dropping a lot more bread is going to be being made and with bread shout out to my brother ian evans crumbs fall and as as they fall you know catch what you can um but in my closing remarks i just want to make sure that everyone understands the the power of financial literacy and education when it comes to creating generational wealth and breaking generational curses and if you have not definitely go listen to the previous episode so that the two things can tie in if you you know if you're one of those people and you're being honest with yourself and these are conversations that were not had in your household or in your presence and you want to be the change because like we said in the previous episode it can start and it can end with you so if you want to be that person that ends this, you know, ends these, these, these cycles and starts generational wealth for your family and for your friends uh, and for your, for your community, then, you know, go listen to the last episode and listen to this one and tie the two things together. And like we always say, we always open for communication because communication is going to be one of those things that gets us all out of this. But knowing uh, intention and education, because like we said and we mentioned, a lot of us grew up in households where the intention was there but the practical steps to take were not there. And we, we laid out some practical steps, life insurance being one. Let's, let's, let's knock a simple one out. If you don't have a life insurance policy at this point in your life and you over the age of 25 or, you know, you out of college and you're on your own and you got a job, get yourself a life insurance policy. That's the challenge. Do it for yourself and do it for 
you know, for your, for your family. Even if you ain't got no family right now, do it for your family. We are sick and tired of seeing our people and people close to us having to rely on technology. And let's be honest, because before GoFundMe, it was let's, let's fry some fish and sell some plates to help put so-and-so in the ground. And that's just to put him in the ground. Now we got to tackle his debt, tackle his, tackle her debt. Like Dr. Levin talked about, the property tax thing. Big Ma leaving you the house with the little bit of land that her and, and, and Paul that saved up money for, and now you ain't paying the property tax on it, so now it's gone. And you lost what could possibly have been an asset. No, what was an asset? Let's have these conversations. They're difficult, but they have to be had. Intention and education and communication. Write them down is what we're going to need. And you do not have to be rich to be wealthy. You can start generational wealth with literally the price of a four for four or two for 20. So that's all we got to say for here. Y'all definitely stay tuned to the after show because uh, a lot more knowledge is going to be dropped, like we said. But we love y'all and good night.